Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. A Monday edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Back, ready, raring to go. Ready to save the earth with love. Come together right now over me. Oh, yes. Someone asking already, am I going to go Marianne Williamson? Oh, we're going to go beyond Marianne tonight. We need to save the earth, ladies and gentlemen. We need to save it with love. Tonight's drink recommendation, a cock-sucking cowboy. And tonight's recommended snack, broiled brisket. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Monday edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I'm Boogie Bumpy, your host, hopefully for the next hour or so. We'll see how we go. Like I said, we've got lots of work to do. There are a lot of problems that need solving, a lot of people that need fixing, and a culture that needs correcting. But don't worry. Don't worry. I'm a hard-working guy. I've got a very strong work ethic. It comes from my German genealogy. So, uh, you know, I'm... If you go back in my past, I'm somewhat, I'm something like part German and part Irish. So we will efficiently solve the world's problems whilst getting drunk and beating our wives. That's how we're going to roll here on tonight's edition of the Daily Boogie. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to get drunk and beat me, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Uh, if you'd like to leave a tip for the show, and you're more than welcome to, the preferred method, the recommended method for leaving a tip for the show is by heading over to dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. Get yourself some lemons and pass them off to yours truly. Thank you to the people who've already donated diamonds. Uh, thank you very much. Adboa Space Force Droid, Real Person PLTCS, uh, James R, the comrade, James R. Joining us over on DLive. Thank you, sir. You grace us with your presence. Uh, Mimi, I see, is donating uh, some super hearts. Mimi, I have to let you know, I don't know if you missed the show last week. I'm actually trying to find a way to get those super hearts refunded. Mimi is one of the most prolific donators of super hearts. I tried to get in touch with Periscope to get the super hearts that I have accumulated over the last two years, and it seems I'm not allowed to. It's, I'm not, it's not uh, allowed in my country for some reason, for some unknown reason, and I had no idea. So I've actually tried to turn that function off a few times now. If you go into my settings, you'll see that I have not allowed Super Hearts on my broadcast, but they still process through for some reason, which means for whatever reason, they're now in purgatory. So I can't, I can't receive them and I can't, don't, I can't refund them for whatever reason. So I'm trying to get in touch with Periscope you know in the back end and see if i can do something about it because if they if they're not going to let me have them then i don't want people wasting their money you know what i mean unless you just want to donate to the universe which is very fine thank you for joining us marianne williamson over in the chat it's because you're a foreigner and meddling in our elections with truth thank you very much mr bearded truth 
Uh, don't worry, we will be meddling in something tonight. But like I said, we're meddling in love. We're going to so solve the world's problems with love. It's all important. Uh, there's a lot of hate going around right now. I don't know if you've noticed. People are openly expressing their hate for one another. And uh, that's not the kind of world that I want to live in. I find that kind of world very confronting. I find that world uh, very, you know, disappointing, shocking. Shocking, one might say. And I think to myself, well, how are we going to solve all of these problems in the world? How are we going to come together? How are we going to get back to where things make sense again? And there's only one option, and that's obviously love. And love can be expressed in a number of ways. Love can be expressed by, uh, say, putting on a, ba a black balaclava heading out into the streets and beating people with protest signs. That's a, that's a mark of love right there. Love can also be getting people kicked off social media because you love them so much. Uh, proving that you love everybody by talking about how much you hate the people that you disagree with. These are all acts of love. So we're going to explore that option today. We're going to dive deeper into that. Master of Blackjack says, I hate love. <laughs> well, someone's got it. But before we get into that, uh, also, I'd like to uh, extend a, an invitation to UK Neil if he wants to jump on in the Discord at some point uh, when we get to the Boris Johnson stuff. If you want to quickly jump on and tell us a little bit about the aftermath of the Boris Johnson election over there in the UK, uh, Neil, just five, ten minutes if you want. It's up to you. No pressure. Uh, but you're more than welcome to uh, jump in the general chat room and I'll grab you as soon as is humanly possible. Before we get to any of that, though, I want to start here. And by here, I don't mean there. I mean... Now, why is that the case? Oh, I see. I've done that. There you go. By here, I mean the impeachment vote, ladies and gentlemen. The impeachment vote. Uh, do I do I go through? Do I bother going through the whole spiel again? Do I bother going through uh, this very very basic kind of fortune telling routine, where I point back to the late 1990s when the Republicans tried to impeach Bill Clinton and it worked, you know, against them, where they started getting voted out in marginal seats because people don't like impeachment? Do I dare drawing attention to that? Do I dare drawing attention to? Do I dare draw attention to uh, the number of Democrats that are in Donald Trump-held districts on very small margins, uh, where their own constituents are very much against any kind of impeachment, even if they don't like Donald Trump particularly? Do I dare point that out? No, don't worry about that. Do I dare point out that although the corporate media bubble, the Washington bubble and the two outposts of New York and LA. Uh, even Do I dare point out that they kind of try to create a faux reality through the mainstream media, through the corporate press, that would dictate that everybody's really in favour of impeachment and those who aren't are merely just brainless cult members who are following, you know, taking the skin off their knuckles as they walk around with their nose so far up Donald Trump's asshole that they can't smell anything but the quarter pounder that he had for lunch. Do I do I bear, dare point that out? No, we won't bother with that. Let's go straight to the source then, shall we? Uh, CNN, all of every uh, reference that I use in tonight's program, as always, will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to The Daily Boogie. Thank you for your contributions on DLive. Let's get into it. 
Town Hall gets de- uh, gets heated after House Dem announces impeachment vote. Oh dear. Oh dear. Let's have a look. The list of House Democrats who are publicly undecided on impeachment is shrinking. Oh. This morning, Alyssa Slotkin of Michigan published a newspaper op-ed explaining her decision to vote yes on both articles. The last hour at a contentious... <laughs> Michigan, huh? Gee, it's not like Michigan is a battleground state in 2020 or anything like that. Why, I'm sure that Democrat candidates in Michigan are very confident that if they back impeachment, that they will be returned to the House in 2020. I'm very confident. It's not like Michigan has been uh, turning red over the last little bit. No, no, very safe Democrat state, isn't it? Now, Michigan. Oh, dear. Town Hall in Rochester, Michigan, she explained Rochester? The thing that was different for me is this very, very basic idea. Can, Can you back off the mic a little bit? Can you just back off the mic just a touch? Where is the production crew at these town hall events? Because, see, what happens if you get too close to the mic and you speak too loudly? See, you don't have to yell into a microphone. A microphone is there to amplify your voice, right? So when you get too close to a microphone and you yell into it, I don't want to say that the reason that I'm talking about it is... We just back it off just a touch, darling. It's okay. Don't panic. Don't show those telltale signs of stress. Don't show those telltale signs of being frazzled because you're getting booed and yelled at at your own town hall meeting. Don't do that. Just step back a little bit from the mic. Keep it cool. Keep it calm. Keep it collected. It's Michigan. That the President of the United States would reach out to a foreign power and ask for an investigation for personal political gain. Oh. (laughs) Oh, dear. They sound really supportive, don't they? They sound like they're really behind their candidate. (laughs) The thing that was different for me is this very, very basic idea that the President of the United States would reach out to a foreign power and ask for an investigation. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my. I wonder if at some point these candidates who come out and say these, uh, these, these programmed lines, these trained lines... These workshopped lines, these these are lines, these are the kind of lines that you come up with. See, nothing's by accident with these people. You know, like any little slogan, any little saying, any little turn of phrase that these politicians come up with has been focus grouped. It's been workshopped. They've sat down with a whole bunch of potential lines that they can use, and then they bring in people and anonymous, uh, anonymously ask them questions like, and find out which one has the more impact. So if I say uh, Donald Trump is committing acts of treason or Donald Trump uh, is working with a foreign power to rig the election, which one frightens you more? And they'll say, well, working with a foreign power, I don't like the sound of that. I don't really know what treason is. Like it's kind of, I think it's kind of a lot of things, but I think working with a foreign power is a little bit more uh, confronting to me. And they go, good. And they tick that off. Next thing you know, the memo goes out to all of the candidates. Working with a foreign power, working with a foreign power. We're focusing on Donald Trump working with a foreign power. And then they all go out, they, they, you know, they splinter off 
They go off into their little town halls. They go back to their constituencies. And then each and every one of them will say the same thing. Donald Trump, you know, I was never in, I was never in favor of impeachment. I was never in favor of impeachment. But once I learned the, the shocking reality that Donald Trump has been working with a foreign power to rig our election in 2020, why I just had to change my vote. One after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. But I just don't think that kind of uh, that kind of routine, that kind of strategy, has as much impact as it used to. I mean, I could be wrong, but all of the available information that we have points to people now having like a subconscious reaction, like a, a negative reaction to programmed lines and repetition, unlike we've ever seen before. Where once upon a time, probably pre-internet, this kind of shit used to work because that's the only thing you could get. Now people can kind of go out and find their own stuff. People can invent their own talking points. Indeed, there is a whole uh, generation of people on the web doing podcasts, doing live streams, doing broadcasts, who are creating their own, uh, you know, if you want, linguistic meme uh, language in of itself. So, you know, you look at people like Alex Jones was talking about uh, the globalists for 20 years, and now you'll see people on Fox News like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity using the term. So there is an ability now for people who are not on corporate media, who are not in the mainstream, to use this same kind of uh, linguistic you know, tactic against them and get things circulating. And that means, obviously, coming from one direction, it's far less effective than it used to be. While we may not agree, I, I hope you believe me when I tell you that I made this decision out of principle. <laughs> while we may, while we may not agree, I hope that you find, I hope that you can understand that I did this. I made this decision out of principle. I'm the good guy here. So although you think that your president did nothing wrong, and although you think that it's a terrible act a disgusting act, a betrayal to impeach him before his term runs out. Thank you so much for the diamond word, Smarter. Uh, even though you think it's wrong, well, I I'm, I'm just want to tell you, from the bottom of my heart, I think I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> Out of principle, yes. To protect and defend the Constitution. Protecting and defending the Constitution. Now comes the spin. This is my favorite part. This is where I get all giddy and excited. When we go to the panel, ladies and gentlemen, the panel, the panel of experts now, because they now they're going to have to try and spin this. They're going to have to try and throw uh, you know a wet blanket over this. They're going to have to try and make out like this isn't that much of a big deal, while still pointing to the fact that it kind of is. Like they have to they have to ride the middle of the road. They have to sit on the fence on this one. Wow. Um, you see the wow. contention in that wow. room. Yes, some cheers, some boos. Yes, some cheers. Also, there were some boos. <laughs> some other noises. Watching that are more than a dozen other House Democrats who yep. have yet to announce their intentions. Mm. This group has something in common. They're district. Let me get rain on them. 
Thank you, Ducks Regionist, for the Ninja Gini. Uh, do let me know if the if the noises get too annoying for people. I, I like it myself because <laughs> it's so cheesy. But and, and, and it lets me know when people are, are leaving tips. So thank you, Ducks Regionist. Much appreciated. Tricks, yes, went blue in the 2018 House races, but they also voted for President Trump back in 2016. Oh, dear. Uh, there you see it. Right there. Okay. Let's Welcome see what the panel's got to say for themselves. Uh, the congresswoman saying, I will vote yes. The congresswoman also saying, I understand I might lose my job mm -hmm. for voting yes. Mm -hmm. And we saw a similar scene a couple of weeks ago with Mikey Sherrill from New Jersey, where she held a town hall and got a lot of pushback from people, like questioning the legitimacy of the of the impeachment inquiry. Um, this is a really dicey time for a lot of these people. A number of them are freshmen, uh, uh, Congress members of Congress, and they're they you know they they really have something here to prove to their uh, constituents and. A lot of them, a lot of their constituents are not on board with this impeachment, and so they're really having to juggle sort of the demands of their constituents with what they think is the point. And, and I, I want to give, I want to give as you jump in. I just want to give Congressman Slotkin some. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that, does it? Though in the real world, there is no juggling the concerns of your constituents with what you think is some kind of higher calling to impeach the president. It doesn't work like that. Because when you get elected, your sole concern should be the concern of your constituents, should it not? Like you are there to be a representative of your constituency. You are there to represent the people who gave you the job. You are not there to be elected by your local constituents to then get to Washington and then thumb your nose in their face and say, well, no, I'm doing this because I believe in something different. I'm doing this despite what you want. I'm doing this despite what you think. I'm doing this against your wishes because, God damn it, that's my job. And they're like, no, actually, isn't it your job to do what we want? Isn't that kind of the agreement that we have here? Like, I thought if I voted for you that you would do things that I want. And now we voted for you because you said you would do the things that we want, and now you're doing things that we don't want but you're telling us too fucking bad, I'm going to do it anyway because that's what I want. It's like, and then they say, oh, we're defending the Constitution. And it's like, well, I'm looking in the book here. Uh, I don't see where it says uh, giving the middle finger to the people who voted you in. I'm not sure that's part of it. Interesting. Interesting the way that they try to manipulate and massage their responsibility, isn't it? Interesting how just after only... A few months, basically, after being elected, that they have become completely engrossed in the Washington bubble. It, it's very quick. It's a very quick toxin that gets injected into their vein. They get strapped down to the table. The big needle comes out. And whilst they go to Washington, like, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I'm just going to do the best thing for my people, guys. I'm just going to do the best thing for my local constituents. I want to... I want to I want to work hard for my community. I want to work hard for my businesses. I want to work hard for the families. And they get down to Washington. They get strapped down to the table. They get uh, slapped up, get that vein pumping. And they get filled with the good stuff. Impeachment, impeachment. Fuck your local people. You'll do what we say. We're protecting the Constitution. Are we really? Are we really? Sounds great. Now, you go back to your local, you go back to your voters and tell them why they're wrong. You go back to your voters and tell them why you're doing a, the thing that they don't want you to do. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. And Boa says they get swamped. Great way of putting it. Credit. Uh, whether you agree with her or disagree with her, I don't live in her. Oh, here we go. Here we go. 
Now comes the fawning. We have to give her credit, guys. We have to give her a pat on the back. Whether you agree with her or disagree with her, you have to give her a pat on the back and say what a tremendously brave, stunning and brave, a stunning and brave thing she's doing. And I just want to give Congressman Slotkin some credit, um, whether you Please. agree with her or disagree with her. CNN giving a Democrat credit? What? What? Has the world gone topsy-turvy? <laughs> With her, I don't live in her district, but she wrote an essay explaining herself. Then she did a public town uh, hall. Uh, a lot of these members now in both parties are just, you know, because the town halls do get contentious, because people do get up in your face. Because guess uh, what? Your opponents organize and send people into the room. That's fair. This is America. <laughs> now, that is true. That does happen. But interestingly, it never really happened as much before. So are we to believe that all of the people going to these town halls are really just Republican Party plants? Like, is that going to be the next? Is it real-life Russian bots going to these town halls now? Is that going to be the next talking point? Well, you know, uh, I, I'm sure, I'm confident that 90% at least of my constituents are in favour of uh, impeachment and agree with everything that I say. And anybody who comes into a town hall and voices their disapproval, why, they're just working for the Republicans, don't you see? Don't you see they're just working for Vladimir Putin, ladies and gentlemen? We don't necessarily have to take this seriously. Obviously... Obviously, the other side are just sending these people in to look angry on camera. All of them. <laughs> Which will, of course, no doubt, uh, fill the Democrats with another layer of self-confidence, which is most undeserving. But it, it takes courage to go into a room and do that, and more and more politicians in both parties are just shining. I'm sorry, I just have to take a call live on air. Bear with me for a moment, won't you? <laughs> this is very unprofessional, I know. I'm back. <laughs> <coughs> yes, taking calls live on air. Who cares, right? Wow, what a professional. I'd just like to say again, thank you to the Patreon supporters and the people giving tips on DLive because they the reason that people support this show is because they know it's a very professional operation. <laughs> the reason that people support this show is because they know I'm 100% dedicated to them at all times. And nothing, it's like I'm a major league pitcher when I'm doing this show. I'm a major league, I'm blocking out all of the external distractions. I'm just focused like a, like an eagle hunting for prey. 
<laughs> I may have to take another call in like 10 or 15 minutes. I don't know. There's a lot of shit going on here that I don't want to bore you with. But thank you for joining us. Let's get back to it wherever the hell we were. I'm away from it because it is contentious. I'm sorry. I mean, the political calculation, though, is that of the universe of people that would consider voting for someone like Congresswoman Slotkin, more of them are in favor of impeachment. Right. The problem for her is that the people, the Republicans who are opposed to impeaching the president, who see this as a sham situation. Natalie Joe asking who called. It was Vladimir Putin. He'll be pleased to know. Are very motivated. He called to congratulate me. <laughs> by it, to, to come yeah. out. And we saw that even in places Democrats won in those Kentucky and Louisiana uh, governor seats that they, yes, they won. It was tight and they won red state. And that's mm -hmm. really hard for Democrats. But Democrats on the ground there argued that they won by less than they could have had impeachment not been happening because impeachment was so motivating for the president's supporters. We did say that. We did say that up in the lead up to 2018, that this was going to be used as motivation to get rid of Donald Trump. And that might have worked to an extent somewhat in 2018. But think of it two years later of the same tactic, two years later of the same story. All of the available data we have points to people going in the opposite direction now. Yes, no, you don't put Vladimir Putin on hold. Absolutely. When Putin calls, you answer the call. One way or another. All of the data we have now points to the opposite in terms of people being motivated by the impeachment process. If anything, it's going to now motivate because it's now becoming so real, right? Two years ago, it was just talk. Two years ago, it was just fantasy. Two years ago, it was just theorizing. Eh, maybe we'll impeach Donald Trump. Maybe we'll bring forward articles of impeachment. Who knows? But now they've done it. Now they've pulled the trigger. Now they've opened the gate. And now people on the Donald Trump side, I suspect, are sitting there going, well, fuck these people. And I suspect a lot of independents are going, well, fuck these people. And I suspect a lot of moderate Democrats are now saying, well, fuck these people. This isn't what I voted for. I voted for health care. You know, I voted for you to do something about putting more money in my middle class pocket. And ever since you've gotten the job, you've done nothing but sit there, talk about impeachment. Now you're coming back to town hall rallies. And even though we're telling you that we don't want you to impeach the president, you're doing it anyway. So fuck you. I suspect that's what's taking place. Could be wrong. I don't think I am, but I could be. Now, look, the election is not tomorrow. Had this all, if I don't really remember what happened last week, so I suspect the voters <laughs> so either. So how big a, a thing this is. <laughs> is once we get to November, uh, we don't know, but we know that the president's certainly going to keep bringing it up. Yes, he is going to keep bringing it up. <laughs> She's right. We said this months ago as well. Why would the president? The funny thing is, uh, they 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 try to turn it into an attack point, right? The president's talking about impeachment again because he's scared, right? He's scared of impeachment. He's scared of Adam Schiff. He's scared of Jerry Nadler. That's why he keeps talking about it at his rallies. And we look at them and go, are you really this dumb? Are you really this stupid? First of all, let's talk about this. Uh, nothing rallies people to a cause like a victim narrative, right? And I'm sorry to apply that term to the president, but it's true. He's very good at bringing people along 
when he says he's being attacked unfairly. You know why? Because there's a ton of evidence out there to say that he does get attacked unfairly. And people are sympathetic to that. People are aware of that. So, of course, he's going to draw attention to the impeachment process because it gets everybody in that room, boo, fuck these people, yeah, bullshit, man. It works for him. Of course he's going to do it. Of course he's going to bring up impeachment at every possible point because we know the vast majority of people do not support impeachment. And there's an election around the corner. It's now actually working in his favour. I was watching some interviews yesterday of Adam Schiff and I realised what the uh, the next step for the Democrats is going to be. At least I think I do. They're now moving uh, the impeachment proceedings into the Senate, right? And they're now talking about a fair trial in the Senate, fair trial in the Senate. Did you know in 2020 there are a number... So in 2018, there was mostly Democrat seats up for grabs in the Senate, Okay. But in 2020, those numbers are reversed. So there's mostly Republicans running for re-election in the 2020 in the Senate because, as you know, they do, what, a third a third each cycle to go every six years. So in 2020, it's mostly uh, Republican senators who are up for grabs and a couple of which apparently are in blue states. So I suspect the next move for the Democrats now, they want to get it to the Senate as quickly as possible. Thank you, Adboa. I appreciate it. So they want to get it to the Senate as quickly as possible because then here's here's the next selling point, right? Here's the next thing. If you want a fair trial in the Senate, you have to elect Democrat senators. That'll be the next one. Guys, if Donald Trump wins the next election, we are going to keep going with impeachment. And if you want a fair trial in the Senate, you have to give the Senate back to the Democrats. That will be the Democrats' next selling point. As you can see, they've already started. Chuck Schumer came out earlier today and said the Democrats are dedicated to a fair trial in the Senate, but that Mitch McConnell, mm -mm -mm. Mitch McConnell wants to wrap it up early. Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are already saying that Donald Trump will be acquitted before a trial. Why, that's no way to conduct a Senate hearing. That's no way to conduct a trial. If you want a fair trial, if you want due process, then you have to elect the patriots who want to protect the Constitution, and that's us, the Democrats, right? Like the copy just writes itself. In the pages of Slate and Salon and Mother Jones and CNN and Huffington Post and Axios and all of the little satellite publications, the copy writes itself. The talking points just spring off the tongue without any thought whatsoever. How can we guarantee that Donald Trump's going to... How can we guarantee that the Democrats are going to get a fair hearing in a Senate that's run by Mitch McConnell, a man who's already said he believes in Trump's innocence without even hearing the evidence? I think the voters need to elect, uh, you know, Democrat senators in 2020 so they can give Donald Trump a big, nice, fat, steaming pile of justice. You know what I mean? It's already happening. It will happen. So just keep your eyes out for the next couple of weeks. Watch for that talking point to start filtering up the system. Watch for it to start coming out of the mouths of these people on their interviews. It will happen. I'm pretty sure. Uh, speaking of the town hall, so that lovely young lady was from Michigan, ladies and gentlemen, the one who was getting booed at her own town hall because she wants to impeach the president. 
arguably under false pretenses. Uh, in Michigan, folks, <laughs> county sees while they're talking about impeachment, other stuff is happening. County seizes man's home because he owed $8.41 in property tax. Good, good, good. These I'm I'm glad they I'm glad that the government is going after these tax dodgers. Yuri Raffaelli, 83, a retired engineer, underpaid his property tax bill by making a mistake calculating the interest. He paid $8.41 less than he owed. As a result, Michigan's Oakland County seized the property, sold it for $24,500 and kept $24,215 of that $24,500. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Taxation is theft, reports Forbes. Raffaelli has tried to get the house or at least the uh, the overage back, but he keeps losing in court. The house is currently valued at $130,000, ladies and gentlemen. 130K. Geez, doing well. From Forbes, he didn't argue that he didn't owe tax penalties, interest and fees, but he did object to the county taking the excess. The county argued that Raffaelli had no rights to the equity because the General Property Tax Act does not expressly protect it. Wow. So because the the Taxation Act, which is in place in this county, does not say you're not allowed to rob people blind when you take their house when they owe $8 in taxes, that's why they were allowed to do it. Because it doesn't say there that they're not. (laughs) Why don't we just get tax cheats then and dress them up like a chicken and then we can walk them down the main street as while they're dressed like a chicken and have sex workers beat them with 10-inch black rubber dildos. Hey, doesn't say anywhere in the Property Act that we're not allowed to do it, huh? What do you got against that? Doesn't say that we can't beat the guy to death with a black rubber cock. It's fine. What's your problem? Doesn't say we can't dress him up like a chicken and march him around for our own amusement. Doesn't say it in the act anywhere that this is not allowed. What's the problem? It's a great way to run a government. He's not alone. Tens of thousands of properties in Detroit have been subject to the same kind of treatment. Tens of thousands. Many of those who owe taxes understand they have a debt, but they don't necessarily understand how to navigate the process or what the failure to pay on time can mean. As with Raffaelli, even something as simple as miscalculating the interest due can have serious consequences, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there you go. And another tax-dodging bastard has been, has been robbed of his property. Thank God for the government. Thank God for the government stepping in, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, let's go back to the UK, if I may. Thank you so much for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie. As we were talking about on the show last week, the people of the UK like to have a little bit of fun when it comes to their elections. So there was a couple of people running against Boris Johnson in his local seat. One of the guys was dressed up like Elmo. The other guy was called Lord Buckethead or something. And when the announce when the results get announced in the UK, they have all of the candidates standing on stage next to each other as they read out the numbers. So BBC threw out this little video earlier today. 
Bunty, Buckethead and Binface and Boris Johnson. Let's have a look. See, I suspect they're probably doing it to try and make Boris look stupid, right? By standing up there, standing behind him with the costumes and stuff. Or they're doing it just to get attention on themselves. But you know what? Either way, I love it. I think it's great. There should be more of this. (laughs) I want to see more candidates dressing up like Elmo on election night. Don't you think it would be fantastic? For the election of a Member of Parliament for the Uxbridge and South Rushlet constituency, you hereby give notice that the number of votes recorded for each candidate is as follows. Harvey Jonathan David, commonly known as Count Binface. Indi- Pardon me, ladies and gentlemen, I have to take another call. Believe it or not, I'll be back in a moment. Oh, this show, this show's gone next level now. This, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. It's really unprofessional. Normally, uh, normally, I would never, ever, ever dream of taking calls. But I just knew. I was watching the clock this morning, and I've tried to line all this up before showtime. And I'm watching the clock, and I'm watching the clock, and I'm watching the clock. And then I'm ringing the people because I know that they're going to call me during the morning. I know that they're going to get in touch. And I'm like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I tried to make a couple of calls before I went live, like on the hour, and I just like got no answer. And so from that point on, I knew that the the calls would be returned right at the worst possible time. 
You know what I mean? Right at the absolute worst possible time. So uh, I've got UK UK Neil waiting in the chat there. I will get to UK Neil very shortly. I just quickly want to play this video, and then I've got one more short one about a minute later, which you are absolutely going to fucking love. Because Vladimir Putin got me on the phone and said, are you showing the video about Russian interference in the UK election boogie? And I said, yes, comrade. Absolutely, comrade. I'm going to show the video about Russian inter Russian interference in the UK election, folks. <laughs> so let's carry on with uh, the very serious candidates, Mr. Buckethead and Bidface and fucking Elmo or whoever it is. Dependent 69. It's like Darth Vader bin face over there. Hughes, David, Stephen, commonly known as Lord Buckethead. The official monster raving. <laughs> Lord Buckethead. Looney Party, 125. Thank you, Space Force Diamond, for the diamond. Uh, Space Force Droid for the diamond. Did you hear the party he was from? It was something like the the Stark Raving Loony Party. Not the Labor Party, not the Tory Party, the Stark Raving Lunatics. <laughs> Hughes, David, Stephen, commonly known as Lord Buckethead. The official Monster Raving Loony Party. Monster Raving Loony Party. <laughs> and then he Bert gives it. Norma. In and the, then he turns around and gives Boris Johnson the fingers. Trying to get across the idea that if Alexander Boris de Feffel Johnson wasn't quite so rich and aristocratic, he'd be totally working class. <clears throat> 22. Johnson, Alexander Boris de Feffel, commonly known as Boris Johnson, the Conservative Party candidate, 25,000. Yeah! said Boris Johnson is duly elected. Thank you, Mr. 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 Acting Attorney Office. I thank my fellow candidates in all their glory, uh, Lord Buckethead uh, and, and others, Elmo and others. Forgive me if I if I don't if I don't identify them all. Thanks, Prime Minister. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to thank uh, the people running against, uh, uh, of course, Lord Buckethead and uh, 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 Elmo. <laughs> Didn't miss a beat. He's good, he's good, isn't he? All right, one more quick story here, and then we'll get to Neil, who can give us the breakdown of the aftermath of the UK election. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of The Daily Boogie. Uh, Boris Johnson approves release of Russian interference report following election win, ladies and gentlemen. Boris Johnson has cleared a controversial report into alleged in Russian interference in UK politics for publication. It's fucking everywhere now. The Russian story is everywhere. I, you must be, you mustn't know the difference between shit and shoe polish if you are in the UK press and you looked at the whole Russia narrative that was bubbling along in the United States for the last two years and said to yourself, hmm, you know what? That looks like a good idea. I think we might do that over here. You know, you know, the Democrats and the left in the media over there have been making tremendous ground by talking about Russia for the last two years. It seems to be working for them. You know what? I think we'll do it ourselves. You must be dumb as a post, man, to have sat there and looked at the Russia story for the last two years and go, hmm, you know what? That makes sense. <laughs> Who's hiring these people? 
the Prime Minister came under fire for blocking the release of an Intelligence and Security Committee report ahead of the general election, with ISC Chair Dominic Grieve describing the decision as jaw-dropping. <laughs> Nobody cares about these people anymore. So this was on a show called Question Time in the UK, where politicians, it's on the BBC, uh, we have a similar one here called Q&A in Australia, where politicians go on the the taxpayer-funded media arm, BBC in the UK, ABC over here, and answer questions from loaded people in the audience, loaded questions from plants in the audience about what they should do when it comes to governing the country. So he was asked a question by somebody in the audience, you know, what are you going to do about this? For, what are, you going, are you going to release this Russia report then? And this is what Boris had to say. This was before the election. Will you release the Russian report? I, let me so tell this you, is the report into whether or not there was Russian interference or any, any kind of yeah, There is absolutely uh, no evidence that I know If that's the case, then why not show, release it? To show, <laughs> to show any interference in, the, in any why, British electoral event. And the reason I won't is I see no reason, or the reason I decided not to uh, ages ago, is because I see no reason to interfere with a normal timetable the normal timetable, hold, hold on, hold on, that's not true, that is not true, going on. that is and not true, Dominic Grieve said... One of the Jackson 5 made their way to, over to England to ask Boris this question. They should have been released on October 28th, it was on your desk on what October 17th. What do you make of this response? <laughs> Dr J in the crowd here. Nice fro, bro. I understand it, and I... Okay, no, no, please, you have to, you have to let this is, This is real, I'm sorry to say, I'm, and I, with great respect, so this is complete Bermuda Triangle stuff. There is no, as is, as is, the, as is the suggestion, yes, as is the suggestion that the uh, referendum, when 17.4 million people uh, voted to leave, was somehow uh, false, vitiated, not fair, uh, wrong, uh, and should now be cancelled. I don't think that is true. My strong view is that the people of this country voted to leave. They've waited three and a half years uh, to get that done. Nobody's saying cancel the referendum. Nobody's saying cancel the referendum, Boris. By the way, cancel the referendum. <laughs> I, I think at least the Liberal Democrats are saying uh, scrub the referendum. And, and, and so, well, that's my impression. Aren't they saying, aren't they saying revoke Article 50? Uh, uh, and, and, not over and, Russian and, and, they're not. Uh, it, we've had an answer to that. Uh, otherwise, the, we'll spend the next 15 minutes talking about the report. Grey JQ, Grey J-O says in the chat, he's standing on a queue. Yes, but to be fair, the show is called uh, Question Time. Like, that's their symbol as a queue. There's queues every... It's been called Question Time for, I think, 35 years. So it's not a new, it's not a new thing, mate. <laughs> there's a, there's, it, it may be to you, and I respect that, but it, we've had an awful lot of other questions. And I'd like to take one now from Olive Enikido. Forgive me. This is not, this is not just for you, this whole session. Oh, it's not all about you. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, all right. I want to get I want to get the lowdown on the aftermath of the UK election, and for that, I turn to uh, everybody's favourite limey, that being Neil over there in the UK. Hopefully he is ready to go. Are you there, Neil? Can you hear me? I've got you. You're a little quiet, but that's okay. We'll work with it. You're very quiet. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got the headphones. You're cutting out a little bit. I've turned you up. Just try again for me. I've got you very, very just, just got you, but that's all right. Um, if you can, 
tell us sort of what the what the last 48 hours has been like over there. Tell us, you know, the media reaction and just, you know, you're in Northern Ireland. Can you tell us a little bit how the Northern Islanders are uh, turning on this? Because I know the DUP lost a couple of seats to the Sinn Féin, didn't they? Um, right, well, basically, the after. Oh, you're, cut, you're cutting out a lot now. We're only getting like every second word. Maybe I, we can try and risk it. Do you reckon you could take the uh, headphones out for me and see if that works? Can you hear me now? Oh, much better. Much better. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Go ahead. Um, yeah, sorry, as I, as I was saying, um, if if we remember back in 2016 when, when uh, the Chosen One was elected into the White House, we had um, mass protests in the street, people screaming to the sky, uh, blood was going to fall from the sky and so forth, so forth, blah, blah, blah. Well, it was exactly the same on Thursday. Um, after Thursday, Friday night, um, protests organised. Um, apparently, people that wanted to be nurses standing there wishing death upon Boris. Oh, um, lovely! Late, la- ladies in their in their fifties and sixties screaming, "Boris isn't my prime minister!" Um, Antifa turning up, trying to do their usual wreck the place routine. Police trying to batter them the hell out of them um and yeah pretty much the same um aftermath as was happened as happened after trump was elected in in the u.s yep i've, I've just got some of that footage on the screen now uh the best the, the the best part for me about this is neil and i'm sure you'll agree um that i i've noticed a distinct um turning against these kinds of protest actions, right? And then what I mean by that is like the general public, like the people who just get up to work, go to work, get a job, pay their fucking taxes, right? Put food on the table, trying to put uh, fuel in the car, you know, normal sort of everyday people um, are now looking at these kinds of protest actions. And instead of like, instead of adding fuel to the fire, instead of saying, well, they have a right to do it. And, you know, they really believe in stuff and it's really important. They're now actively saying, fuck these people, fuck them. You know what I mean? And so I think now we're at the state, like we've gone over the cliff when it comes to these hard left-wing protests. It, it, for, it was obvious when you saw the climate change protesters getting dragged off the top of the train by average yeah. people in the London underground who vote Labour, by the way, who are Labour voters, saying, get the fuck off that train. What the hell is wrong with you, you <laughs> piece of shit? You know what I mean? So yeah. that's like they've now gone off the cliff where every protest action they make, every time they clash with police, every time they get out there and they're like, we're defending shit, uh, m- more and more people hate them and more and more people disengage from their message, I, I think, anyway. That's my theory. Well, I think I think if you look at the broader spectrum of the actual election itself, there, there's two main things that two main messages that came from that election itself. Number one was that after three years of absolute nonsense, um, delays, and you know snuggling up still with the EU, um, the the people that went out and voted Thursday were like, "Listen, we've had enough. Have this. Yeah, you know, this is this is what this is what you get for for not delivering our democratically voted." referendum which was to leave the eu and number two i think the another reason that it happened was because of the fact that we were you know saying we are not going to have socialism running our country with regards to corbyn because obviously for the last few years corbyn much like the democrats in the usa has just literally preached uh, socialism and, and communism 
um, as his agenda if he takes over as as prime minister. Oh, mate, so, Corbyn, you know, Corbyn th- wasn't like a hidden entity, you know. Like we've known that Jeremy Corbyn has been a socialist for the last thirty years. So for them to put him in the leadership in the first place was evidence that the you know HQ of the Labor Party that's the direction they want to go. That's the direction they want to head in. Everybody knew Jeremy Corbyn was a socialist. You can read shit that he wrote back in the 1980s talking about how much he loves socialism. At least the, the thing with Jeremy Corbyn, at least he's honest about what he believes in. You know what I mean? At least he says, yes, yeah. I am a socialist. You know, there's no hiding it with him. <laughs> and, and it's funny, if you, if you know, if you look at what the actions of the Labour Party since Thursday, it's like they've said, right, we're, we're not going down this route. We're, you know, this, this isn't working for us because you've had, you've had several key figures in that party that are, you know, the spokespeople of socialism and communism drop out. I mean, mm-hmm. Corbyn himself um, is resigning as soon as they find another leader, um, as is a couple of his deputies. Um, so, you know, I think, I think Labour has suddenly gone, hmm, well, maybe we shouldn't go down that socialist well, route because it seems the people don't like that. It's tough, though. It's tough though, Neil, because who have they lost in this election? They've lost the moderates. They've lost the the mining candidates. They've lost the blue collar Labor representatives in the Midlands and in the North. So even though you know Labor HQ might now be saying, "Well, I guess we don't want to go down that path," they've they've only come to that realization after they've lost about fifty seats of people who agree with that position. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now there's only hard lefties yeah. left. That's all they've got. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Exactly. Um- and and it's quite funny actually because there's an article I just come across um, while I was while I was watching the beginning of your show. Um, apparently Boris is now saying that um, they're going to rework the leave agreement. Now he has more power in Parliament, and basically he's going to be telling the EU when he intends to leave and finally sign on a dotted line that we've left the EU. So it seems. Uh, after a little bit of silence about Brexit from him, he's now coming out and saying, "Right, we're going to rearrange everything that was before to make it more pro people." Have we still got Neil? Is he still there? There he you is. You got me still? Yep, got you there. I, I find it interesting. It was tough on both sides. So on the Tory side, there was people who were against leaving the EU. That was obvious. And on the Labor side, there was people who were for Brexit. Because, I mean, the Brexit vote, as I've said before, got over the line thanks to lifelong Labor voters in the Northeast and in the Midlands, right? Uh, that's yeah. They're the people that tip the scales. So do you think the Labor Party missed a trick here? Do you think if they had have just supported Brexit instead of trying to play politics with it, because it was obvious the Labor Party wanted to drag it out so they could cause a second referendum just to remove the Conservatives from power, they were hoping that a whole bunch of people who voted for Brexit would lose faith in the Conservatives and then vote for third-party candidates, which would then clear space for the Labor Party candidates. It didn't work out that way for them. Like it didn't. It didn't work. Um, do you yeah. think Labor, if they had have just come out and said, look, um, we understand that a lot of people who vote for Labor are against Brexit, but we also know a lot of people who voted uh, for Brexit are Labor Party voters as well, and we respect the referendum result, and we are just behind Brexit, we're just going to have to do it, guys. You know, if they had have done that, do you think they could have saved a bit of face here at this election? I think I think the problem with Labour is, Boogie, is that, you know, traditionally Labour were always about the working class. And, you know, I think before even before Brexit, you know, since the days of Tony Blair, I think a lot of staunch lifelong Labour supporters were already questioning the party itself. And I think 
after Brexit was kind of the nail in the coffin for a lot of the staunch lifelong supporters where they were like, listen, this is just ridiculous because you're not even you're not even given a damn about the actual people in this country anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, though, you know, predominantly the vote we're talking about voters in the north um, and, and then the mining areas that were like, listen, you just don't even care about the working class anymore. And Brexit was that kind of now in the coffin with them to say, listen, we've had enough of it. It's country before party now because you're not even thinking of the working class anymore. You're more concerned about uh, the immigration strategies. You're more interested in, you know, the socialist youth movements. You don't even care about the people anymore. So, yeah, I think Brexit, you know, the fact that Labour didn't come out and support Brexit played a big role. But I, I would say some of their supporters, staunch supporters, would have started questioning Labour since Tony Blair. And that Brexit was the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, that's a that's a very fair comment. I think. Uh, just before I let you go, can you give us a little bit of the rundown of the dynamic in Northern Ireland? Because I was a little surprised to see the Sinn Fein do as well as they did. Do you? Can you give us any insight into why that might be the case? Okay, basically, what's happened over here is um, number one. Um, you've over here. You have it's very different to England. You have either unionist or Republican parties because obviously the history, the division, etc. So it's two two sides, either unionist or Republican. Now Sinn Fein stand for Republican and the DUP, and there's another uh, big party called the UUP who um, stand with the unionists. And in between, you have this party called the Alliance Party. Now the Alliance Party has basically taken a lot of voters away from the unionist and ended up splitting the vote so to speak right now what happened was in north belfast there was a big win for Sinn fein um that was expected to go to nigel dodds of the dup mm-hmm. but out of nowhere he was the Sinn leader fein of the dup it. wasn't he the leader of the dup he used yep. to be yeah yep. but but if you actually look at the votes for northern ireland this is what i've discovered um Sinn fein actually um, uh, you know, the, a lot more of the votes went to unionists, but because of the big win for Sinn Féin in North Belfast, that that put them over the edge. Right. So North Belfast played a massive, massive role in making sure that Sinn Féin gained seats. Um, with regards to the actual numbers, um, from what I'm reading, there was a lot more numbers for the unionists, but but North Belfast tipped it over the edge. Um, so, and and the feeling here is at the moment is is they're they're like you know Boris had better do right by by um, Brexit. Um, you know, they're, they're worried here that he's going to lead them down the avenues as such as, as a, like a, an EU trade situation. Because obviously with the deal that he put forward, that would mean Northern Ireland was in the trade situation with the UK. But they would also be paying extra money to, um, for any products that came through the Republic of Ireland or through EU territory to them. Yeah, that was always the concern in Northern Ireland, wasn't it? Like the hard border and stuff. So I, I suspect, because the DUP were aware of this too, that's why they were against uh, hard Brexit, weren't they? Even though they were, you know, mm-hmm. with the Brexit vote, so to speak, they didn't want a hard border for Ireland. Do you think that that can be sorted out in the future or do you think it's going to have to be a case of showing your passport at the border again? Um, well, if Boris, if Boris pursues a no deal, then everything stays as it is. If Boris pursues a no deal, everything, everything can pretty much stay as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's come up in the news the last few days, funny enough, is apparently Boris has shown interest in building um, a connecting bridge between Northern Ireland and Scotland really? um, as a show of faith to Northern Ireland. So if that happens, that could be quite interesting. But regards to the, the border, the ferry, if, companies, if no deal, the ferry companies won't be pleased with that idea. <laughs> well, that, that's that's what I said. But then, but then, you know, if you look at if you look at other if you look at the Channel Tunnel, mm. the ferry companies don't seem to be doing too bad still, even with that. That's but true. Um, 
but I, you know, with the board, I think I think if he goes, I think he's going to go with a no deal. Listening to his uh, what he said today, so if he goes with a no deal, then it's a lot easier for Northern Ireland to stay part of the UK and the whole situation with the Republic of Ireland. Sure thing. Uh, thanks so much for jumping on, Neil. I really appreciate it. If people want to follow you on Twitter and watch your periscopes, what's the best way to do that? At UK Neil on Twitter. Uh, yeah, just anything. Just type in at UK Neil and, and they'll find me somewhere. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Boogie. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All the way from Northern Ireland, ladies and gentlemen, our our good friend UK Neil joining us on the line to fill us in what's happening on the ground in the UK election. Well, more to come of that, I'm sure. Uh, Don't you just love the Russian stuff, though, coming back? Don't you just love the Russian narrative rearing its ugly head once more? in yet another country. We had a similar situation here in Australia, but for us, it wasn't the Russians. It wasn't the Russians. It was uh, the Chinese. And, you know, all of the media and the, <clears throat> the politicians were coming out saying there's Chinese uh, election meddling in, in the country. The Chinese are hacking the election. So this is, this is just going to be what the story is now every time conservatives win, I'm afraid. It's just something we're going to have to get used to. Any time that there is a conservative win, any time that somebody wins that the media doesn't endorse, you're going to have to put up with a little bit of chatter where they say it was all because of another country. Like, you couldn't have voted for this on your own. You couldn't have elected Boris Johnson in a landslide based on your own thoughts and your own opinions and your own views and your own principles. That can't happen. The only reason that you did it is because the Russians told you to do it somehow. So that's what's going to happen. Uh, let's get to the love, shall we? I promised you a little bit of love to take us out for today. Uh, we're going to fix the world with love because, like I said in the opening, there's just a lot of hate nowadays. And so I'm looking for positive stories in the press. I want to celebrate love. And if you're a person out there in love, I want to celebrate your love, damn it. Because celebrating love is what I think is going to take us to the next level. If we can all just get together and be in love and love, love. <laughs> and all of, the, all of the various types of love too. See, let's not be bigots. Let's not be fundamentalist bigots filled with hate and talk about love only between a man and a woman, for example. Let's talk about the whole spectrum of love. Are you with me? I think that's important to celebrate love in all of its forms even the fucking whacked out crazy ones. <laughs> so let's get to it. You're listening to The Daily Boogie, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us on this special love edition of the program. Let's kick it off here. Bodybuilder set to marry his sex robot girlfriend despite frequent arguments. <laughs> Yuri Tolochko from Kazakhstan, will marry his sex robot, robot girlfriend, Margot, after paying for the doll to have plastic surgery. He paid, to get, he paid to get his plastic doll more plastic. He paid to get his doll enhanced. I wonder what the arguments were about. She obviously, she's obviously very concerned that uh, he doesn't respect her as a woman. What, you only like me if I get fake tits? Is that what we're talking about here? What a pig. What a pig this man is. What a misogynist to have a look at the happy couple. There they are, riding the plane together. 
Oh, isn't she? Isn't she a doll? Isn't she a picture? Look at this. Oh, yes. The very happy couple, ladies and gentlemen. She's looking very nice in her beanie there. <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh, you're 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 doing really well. <laughs> give her a kiss. Come on, give her a kiss. Give her a kiss, you prude. A smitten actor and bodybuilder has vowed to marry his sex robot girlfriend after paying for real plastic surgery. Real plastic surgery on the fake robot girlfriend. That's interesting. To enhance the doll's appearance when she began to develop a complex. This is a quote. You know, the sex robot was just laying there on the end of the bed. And uh, after sex, the sex robot would turn to, uh, you know, her potential would-be husband and say, you know what, I'm just, I've just got confidence issues. I don't feel like a real woman. Yuri Tolochko from Kazakhstan also revealed that the unusual couple has been invited on a Russian TV show, Comedy Club, although his relationship with Margot the doll is very much taken seriously. Tolochko's shared backstage images of the couple's television appearance with the teaser message, I won't spoil it, you'll find out at the right time. According to local media, Tolochko has been dating Margot for eight months and his Instagram is littered with loved-up selfies of the pair on dates. The great part about dating a sex robot is very cheap. Very, you don't have to buy this girl lobster dinner to get in her pants. Oh, no. That's what she's literally programmed to do. Despite admitting that they have the occasional argument. <laughs> you know, it's not, all, it's not all beer and Skittles. It's not all paradise, you know, back on the homestead. You know, we have our, we have our views about things. And that's why I respect her, because she's a strong, independent robot. She's a strong, independent, you know, empowered sex robot. And, you know, we don't have to agree on everything, but sometimes, you know, it can get a little heated. From time to time, we do disagree about, you know, politics and uh, the environment. She's very, she's very committed to the climate change cause. Uh, you know, I'm not so much. But she's always telling me to, you know, change the light bulbs and take the garbage out and, and whatnot, so... You know, it happens, but we, we make it work. We make it work. Tolochko said he recently sent Margot to a clinic for plastic surgeons to make his synthetic girlfriend even prettier after he claimed her media appearances made her feel insecure. <laughs> it's, it's a common problem, though. Let's be fair. You know, there's a lot of pressure on women in the media, in entertainment circles to present, you know, a certain way. Because there's obviously a whole bunch of misogynists who want women to look very plastic. One might say robotic. So, you know, it's only fair that a sex robot would feel insecure trying to keep up an, un, uh, you know, an, uh, an unrealistic level of perfection, an unrealistic level of beauty. I mean, you're not going to be two years old for the rest of your life. Like, she'll have to go out. You know, she's going to have to age at some point. Moron Mama says, fuck, I'll date him for a boob job. There you go. He can get himself a real chick. <laughs> Jesus Christ in the chat on YouTube. Thank you for joining us, our Lord and Savior. He says, well, Earth had a good run. Earth had a good oh, Yes, I'm sorry, Jesus. Um, it wasn't perfect. Better luck next time, sir. Next time when you create the Earth, uh, make sure you keep the sex robots out of the conversation, if you could, please. Just put a message up to the big guy. 
maybe this free will thing ain't all it cracked ain't all that she's cracked up to be. He said, when I presented her photo to the world, there was a lot of criticism and she began to develop a complex. So we decided to have plastic surgery. Sounds like she was being pressured to me. We decided to have plastic surgery. I hope this pig isn't forcing his girlfriend to get plastic surgery for his own benefit. That would be horrifying. You know, you can do better than this, darling. Babe, you can do better than this guy. I want to see her on Instagram. I want to see her on Tinder, testing the field. Maybe she would be better off with somebody who just accepts her for who she is. A sex robot with fake tits. Interesting. Uh, girls, you're not out of it yet. Single mum marries rug in bizarre wedding ceremony at carpet shop. Isn't it lovely? Betty Becky Cox. Becky Cox. Says she spent so much time looking after Matt that her friend said she ought to marry him. And you know what? She bloody well did. Let's have a look at this happy couple. Ah. <laughs> we are gathered here today in this special place to celebrate a very momentous day for Becky and her husband-to-be, Matt. The love these- I, I hope they're not misgendering. <laughs> Great comment in the chat from Brent Harris. Carpet muncher. Carpet muncher confirmed. <laughs> to have for one another is rare and unique. And they clearly have been swept off their feet since they first met. Swept off their great. feet. Ah, oh, do you see how clever this is? Do you see how liberating and clever this is? Take this ring. Wear it always. Wear it always. Where, where are you going to put the ring on this guy? No. Yes, she, Gypsy in the chat. Is she marrying a carpet? Yeah, no, a rug. A rug. It's not a carpet. He's a rug. Come on. It's got a little more class than the average shag pile, let's be honest. I rug you. I know that I rug He might be Afghanistan. He might be from Afghanistan. Rug you. Matt, we assume by your silence that you feel the same. <laughs> May every joy and happiness be yours. May your love grow stronger. I now present Mr. and Mrs. AD. I noticed they skipped over. Uh, the part where it says, if anybody has any objection, speak up now or forever hold your peace. They, they missed that part. <laughs> Andrew Jackson's Tate in the chat. They rolled him up for fuck's sake. <laughs> 20 wool twist. You may now hug the rug. Hug the rug. <laughs> oh, isn't it wonderful? Yes. Isn't it beautiful? There are numerous cases of people marrying non-human partners. Hey, don't criticize our love. But one single mum, uh-oh, alarm bells are ringing, may be the first person in history to have got married to a carpet. Well, there's got to be a first time for everything. You wouldn't want to be the second person in history getting married to a carpet. But mum, of, uh, there are countless cases of men setting up home with sex robots. We just read one. But mum of two, Becky Cox, married her beloved Matt in a special service hosted by a celebrant at the Independent Fitters Carpet Store. <laughs> How romantic. Huh? Down there amongst the shag. Down there amongst the uh, easily cleanable, uh, you know, plastic packed uh, carpet rolls. What a special time for a young lady. 
you know, this is the this is the day that this is the day that all young girls dream of is heading down to the carpet outlet fitters store <laughs> and you know <laughs> making that leap of faith. Good honor. Oh, look at the happy couple. Aren't they aren't they gorgeous? Isn't it cute? Aren't they cute? You know, Matt, you can do better than her. Just saying, bro. I think this chick's got her hooks into you. You don't have to commit to one girl. You could literally have uh, any number of female asses rubbing against you at any time. Why are you tying yourself down to one chick? During the intimate hour-long service, Becky, who was dressed in a traditional all-white wedding dress for the occasion, promised to love, honour and care for Matt until death do us part. She'll probably be wrapped up in the rug when she gets buried in the coffin or just dumped off a bridge. (laughs) I want to be buried with Matt. Becky said, I bought Matt about a year ago. So she owns him. She's admitting that she owns her husband. This is bringing up all kinds of connotations to slavery. You can't own people, Becky. You disgusting bitch. About a year ago, I've been banging on about how much I love him to anyone who will listen ever since. And Becky's friend, uh, friends list on Facebook has been shrinking ever since. It became a bit of a thing with my friends who used to joke, if you love Matt so much, why don't you marry him? I spend so much time looking after him, cleaning him and vacuuming him a couple of times every day, making sure he always looks his very best. I couldn't imagine being without him now. And there's the kiss. Oh, the kiss that seals the deal. Make sure you scrub the uh, the cat piss out of him first. Becky added, I'm a little obsessed with Matt. You don't say. When the kids are in bed, I'll often just lie down with him and tell him my most private thoughts. I'm a single mum, so he's become a confidant, and I always seem to be able to think things through properly when we've been together. So a few months ago, when one of my friends said I should marry him, and I said, well, I will then, it started as a bit of fun, but I soon started looking into a service, and eventually it became something I was determined to go through with. Becky's decision was made easier when laundry and carpet cleaning products brand Dr. Beckman stepped in to pay for Becky and Matt's big day. Yes. Whoring yourself out to the carpet cleaning overlords, young lady. I wonder if Matt knows that he's a trophy husband. I wonder if he knows that he's a toy boy. Isn't it great? Single mum marries rug in bizarre wedding ceremony at carpet shop. Our culture is doing fine. Our culture is like right where it needs to be. Sometimes I wonder, I'm going to play a a, a clip tomorrow on tomorrow's show. I don't want to give you too many spoilers, but it's centered about, you know, e-fame and Instagram fame and the lengths that people are going to to become famous on Instagram. And I was just like, I was just thinking about it earlier today because I'm a very boring person. I do a lot of navel gazing. I was just thinking about it earlier today and I was just wondering like, could it possibly be that, you know, think of all the things that we get told are toxic culturally that we're not allowed to do anymore, right? You know, so like nationalism is like toxic culture. You're not allowed to have that. You're not allowed to have pride in your culture and your heritage and your ancestry and your nation anymore. That's sick. That's dangerous. That's toxic. So we've removed a lot of that stuff. We've removed a lot of uh, the Christianity aspects from our culture as well. And it's it's almost like every time we take a piece, we take a chunk out of what our culture used to be and just throw it on the on the fire, get rid of it. 
it's not like a new culture just it's not like that just disappears it's not like that need for people to belong to something disappears but it seems like more and more people are just replacing those things with something else and they're replacing them with vapid shallow vacuous things like how many uh how many people will like me if i get my face butchered on instagram you know, how many people will like me if I literally undergo dozens of surgeries to become a life-size sex robot replica, right? We're just replacing aspects of our culture with other aspects, which I don't think people, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure that we're any more or less governed by this need to be, to belong to something. But I think as we're taking stuff out, uh, you know, human beings are just filling that space with, like I said, ever increasing stupid, shallow things. No, I'm not necessarily sure that it's a good thing. Let's keep on the love theme, shall we? This is a fun story. Stripper had sex with boyfriend's disabled Star Wars obsessed son, then decapitated him. A stripper has been convicted of beheading her boyfriend's disabled Star Wars obsessed son after having sex with him. Wow, what happened to just having a cigarette? After it was done. Jesus Christ. Rona Cheryl Mills, 43, was last Thursday found guilty of the first degree murder of 29-year-old Bo White at a house in Lorona, West Virginia, in April 2018. Mills, who has the phrase special kind of crazy tattooed across her chest. There she is. The lovely young girl, uh, the, the lovely 43-year-old stripper. Is it fair to say that when you get to the age of 43, your stripper days, you're closer to the end of your stripping career than you are to the beginning? Is that a fair thing to say? Mills, who had the phrase special kind of crazy tattooed across her chest, reportedly target, targeted Bo after having sex with him in return for drugs. She's doing really well. She said this is, she is said to have battered and stabbed him to death before chopping his body up. Jurors recommended that Mills serve life without mercy, a West Virginian legal term, which means prisoners must never be given parole. The exotic dancer, who has also been enjoying a relationship with Bo's dad, James, who met her while she worked at a strip club called Southern Exposure, uh, <laughs> gents in the West Virginia area, uh, you have now been alerted to the, the strip club where you need to go if you want a legitimate rush. It's called Southern Exposure. Uh, where some dancers traded sexual favours for drugs. Bo was described by prosecutor George Silter as being an awkward, sickly shut-in who didn't have a real life, lived off a disability allowance and loved playing with Star Wars figures. Stilter added, his father had introduced him to a manipulative woman. She knew Bo had a pocket full of pills and a pocket full of cash. Mills reportedly began dismembering Bo's corpse with a regular knife, only to find that all that, this is a quote, all that flesh and bone is hard to cut with a good knife. <clears throat> Our culture is fantastic right now. We are flying in the 21st century. She then went to ask a neighbour for a chainsaw in an apparent bid to speed up the disposals of Bo's, uh, the, the disposal of Bo's body, only to have her request refused. Afterwards, sheriff's deputies found Mills in a wooded area next to Bo's head. Her victim's body was lying inside his home. She was arrested and taken to jail only to tell deputies, you have to let me go back to my heads. There she is. 
the stripper who is no fan of Star Wars, apparently, unfortunately. Stripper had sex with boyfriend's disabled Star Wars obsessed son, then decapitated him. This is a very classy show. <laughs> we tick all the boxes when it comes to love. Love is a battlefield. One more. One more to take us out. This is, the, this is the pick of the bunch. Remember, we're just celebrating love here tonight. And I don't want you to be bigots. I don't want you to think of just love between a man and a woman. How about love between a man and a corpse? Drunk scientist caught having sex with corpse in autopsy room after footy win. Footy is football, soccer. Wanderley Dos Santos Silva, 52, was fired by the Institute of Legal Medicine in the city of Manaus. Is that how you say it? Manaus? Brazil, after the incident. A forensic scientist, ladies and gentlemen. Trust, you've got to trust the scientists, guys. Trust the scientists. They would never do anything wrong. A forensic scientist has been fired on suspicion of having sex with a dead body after a cop allegedly walked in on him during the act. Local media report Wanderley dos Salvo Santos Silva, 52, was fired by the Institute of Legal Medicine for allegedly having sex with a corpse in the city of Manaus in the northwestern Brazilian state of Amazonas. According to local media reports, an officer from the Department of Forensic Police had gone into the autopsy room in order to collect additional information about a dead woman when he allegedly found Silver having sex with the body. Silver is said to have pulled up his trousers and fled the scene after realising he had been spotted. Oh, no! Oh, no, they got me! The case was immediately reported to the Department of Forensic Police and Silver, along with an unnamed colleague, were immediately fired for serious functional faults. <laughs> that's, that, that's a very ambiguous way of saying uh, fucking a dead body. He was fired for, quote, serious functional faults. That sounds like the kind of thing that might be an IG report. Like, I don't want to alarm people. But if anybody can find the phrase something along the lines of serious functional faults in the IG report, let's not put it past them. <laughs> Who knows what these people are up to in the privacy of their own laboratory. The Secretary of Public uh, Security said the pair is suspected of having gone out to celebrate their football team Flamengo winning the Copa del uh, de Libertadores and returned to the Institute of Legal Medicine drunk. Let's go pick up some chicks, guys. Let's go. Yes, that's what I was thinking more on Mama. is like, so he couldn't get it up? Functional fault, right? <laughs> that's exactly where my mind went. I'm glad somebody else went there too. Sylvia was then allegedly caught with the corpse in the early hours of the following morning. Imagine being with a guy. You're drinking after the football. You're all happy. Yes, we won. I can't believe we won. We won the title. This is so awesome. And your friend who's a scientist is like, mate, why don't we go and get some pussy? <laughs> and you're like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, I could go for some pussy. Who doesn't love pussy? Let's do this, man. And you go into like a government building and you're like, man, I didn't need, I didn't know these chicks like to party. It's like, yeah, yeah, man, they're probably passed out already. They're probably passed out just laying there naked under a sheet right now. Wow, it sounds great. <laughs> you mean I don't have to put any work in? Exactly. These chicks are just always ready to go. Man, she's a little bit blue around the mouth. What's that about? Oh, she, she just enjoys, uh, you know, she just enjoys drinking Ribena grape juice. That's that's what that that's from. Ah, right, okay. 
Boogie, click on the reindeer boobs article. Where's the reindeer boobs article? I don't see reindeer boobs. I'll find it for tomorrow night's show. <laughs> so on that high note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Daily Boogie. Who said that this wasn't a serious, hard-hitting program that tackles the big issues? Love in all of its forms needs to be celebrated, whether it's between love between a man and a woman, love between people of the same sex, love between a man and a sex robot, love between a woman and a rug, Love between a stripper and a disabled person who she later cuts his head off or love between a scientist and a dead body. It's just all love. That's how we're going to fix the world. That's how we're going to fix planet Earth. It's how we're going to progress into the future by getting together arm in arm and celebrating the love of others. So thank you so much for joining us on this very tolerant, very diverse edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. If you'd like to, I'm going to open the chest up now. I must open the chest if I can get to the chest. Oh, come on now. What are, you, what are we doing here? There we go. Allow me to open up the chest. I'll throw another 50 in it. Why not? Why the hell not? Let's do this. All right. Chest is open now. Collect your rewards. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to have sex with my dead body, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. I'm sure I'll get a lot of takers for that. Um, thanks again to UK Neil for calling in, filling us in a little bit about what's happening on the ground over there in the UK. I'll be back tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, 6 p.m. Same boogie time, same boogie channel. Thank you to everyone who has signed up over on DLive. The rewards are out now. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, oh, don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS, who didn't, I didn't see do a Periscope this morning, so he might come on now. Um, don't forget at ChrisMC44, at YCensored underscore, and of course, at UK Neil. Until tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.